Welcome to Entrepreneurial Spotlight, made by the University of Edinburgh Entrepreneur Society. My name is Ricardo Firista. Today I'm welcoming Matthias Schikowski. Hi. And Alan Nickel. Hello. Okay, um, so let's dive right in. Uh, Alan, I'll start with you. You were a student here at the University of Edinburgh. So could you give us like yeah. a short introduction and like, or a short overview how your, your academic career went from there? Um, yeah, sure. So I, I studied chemistry and physics at Edinburgh and did, um, did a five-year undergraduate, as I think a lot of people do here. And one year of that was in industry. So I spent my fourth year uh, working for a large American company. And, um, you know, I was completely useless in the lab. Uh, so that was clear from day one. So I was never going to be a sort of experimental person. And then found that computer simulations was something I enjoyed and, and liked doing. And then sort of picked up programming along the way as a, as a way of doing that. So I did that during my fourth year and then also my fifth year. And then decided that, you know, it would be a good idea to do a PhD in that area. So then um, after Edinburgh, I went to Cambridge. I went to the engineering department and did computer simulations. But uh, what we were doing was using machine learning to speed those up. So rather than doing big, expensive calculations, we would do uh, just a few of them, learn from them, and then um, use machine learning techniques to predict that in the future. And so that was, uh, that was a lot of fun. And then kind of a couple of years into the PhD, I met my co-founder, Alex, and we started hacking on things together. Um, I was still pretty useless at programming anything other than scientific software. So learned a lot along the way, kind of building early prototypes and things like that. And then um, we kind of hit on something that had a bit of usage, a bit of traction. And, uh, you know, we thought about really, you know, making it into a serious company. So we applied for some accelerators and uh, we applied to Y Combinator and um, Techstars. Uh, y Combinator, we got as far as the interview, but then they decided not to invest. Uh, Techstars did, so that was great. And then, um, yeah, so, so Techstars Berlin, you know, was willing to invest in the company. And I really wasn't finished with my PhD yet. <laughs> and we got the call from the managing director and he said, okay, you know, we'd like to invest. You've got to be in Berlin in six weeks. And so I wrote my thesis in six weeks. Wow. And um, yeah, didn't sleep <laughs> for a while. <laughs> Submitted it on a Saturday. And on the Monday morning, we started Techstars. So it was, uh, yeah, it was an intense time. And then, um, yeah, we can talk a lot more about that, about the Techstars experience from there on. But that was our first startup. Okay, amazing. And um, so what was what was the name of this first startup? Uh, so that was called Treve. Mm -hmm. And it was uh, a search tool. So the same way that you have Spotlight on a Mac, mm -hmm. we built something like that for Chrome. And oh. so this was the days before Slack. Mm -hmm. So there was really room for something to tie together all these tools. And so, you know, we made a search bar. We thought that was a good way to connect everything. Uh, you know, Google Drive and Dropbox and Trello and all these things you use at work. And, you know, it was fine. Uh, it was a good product, but it wasn't a business. And uh, actually, Mateus, who's here with us, was kind of instrumental in helping us discover for ourselves that that maybe wasn't the runaway business idea that uh, we thought it was. Well, I mean, but you still got like into an incubator and you got the experience from it. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> no, so that was really great. Okay, I'm I'm happy that you managed your PhD in six weeks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, let's say it's not, 
you know, the greatest piece of academic work ever produced, <laughs> but, uh, you know, passed it in the end. So Yeah, no, but I mean, good outcomes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, are you still working with your co-founder, with your first co-founder? Yeah, 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 exactly. Okay. So, um, you know, the the first startup, Treve, you know, it didn't work out. Um, after Techstars, we basically just wrote code and tried to build the product. Um, happy to talk more in detail about that as well with Matt. I'm sure he'll have input there. Um, and then we realized it really just, you know, wasn't the thing. That was a tough decision to make. And um, we had to let the whole team go and start back from zero. We took some, you know, a couple of weeks off to kind of, you know, really take a step back and, you know, read and think and, and reflect and then just started building lots of little prototypes and we launched like a product every two weeks for a few months. Wow. Um, and then, you know, over the course of kind of six to 12 months, stumbled upon what we're now doing, which is Raza. Okay. That sounds amazing. And um, where, where do you, Matthias... Uh, tie in in this story of Alan? I think I met you around probably week three of Techstars, something like this. Sounds right. So that was around two years ago. And I probably have unfortunately been seeing you pretty much every week or talking to you or uh, Alex for two years now. Um, probably around three to five hours every week. Well. <laughs> And 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 at some point, uh, like I also invested in, in in the company. Okay. And how was how was your journey from like I don't know, um, kind of finishing high school and then being someone who is investing in a startups. Um, I I probably like I I probably had no fucking clue what I'm doing. <laughs> like I I went to this weird high school in Africa and then I. Uh, like I decided that I actually want to do all kinds of internships uh, afterwards, and 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 uh, when I actually found a company like uh, um, which was really entrepreneurial, and when I asked the managing directors, "What do you study?" and they told me uh, it was like a media TV show, uh, corporation, and they said like I need to do law, I need to do business, and uh, history of art to un to understand the product. So I just history of art, I can do that like at night. Law, I can kind of do it as well. But business people, I really despise business people. I hate, so I'm gonna I'm gonna do that uh, because I someone has to force me. Like so, and in the end, towards the end of this journey, like you know, I did like also like I took a couple of courses like in entrepreneurship and management that was much more interesting. But then uh, only towards the end, I figured out actually that I want to do something entrepreneurial and then just to fast forward this uh, I, 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 I worked as a managing director for a business unit in 2006 to 2008 in, in East Germany and that's like with, with what, are, what are the founders of Deliver Hero one of the bigger startups here in Europe okay and this is after your graduation yeah, it's already a graduation then I went over to the States 2008-2010 wow uh, Silicon Valley. Then I came back with my, I already had my prototypes uh, to cut. We raised American and international funding. It was one of the more technical startups mm -hmm. uh, back then in Berlin. And we sold that co company in 2014. And we also, f based on this technology, founded and sold that company as well, a second company. And, um, you know, like uh, meeting Alan, that was really like an accident. 
only a couple of days before my fr a friend of mine, Olga, told me just to show up there, right, at Techstars. And I didn't think much of accelerators. And <laughs> I was sitting there and all these kids were coming in and asking me questions. And, you know, my first of impression of the team was not really listening, but very, very passionate. Okay. Yeah, you, you didn't think much of Treve either. I yeah, but that was like one of the learnings, right? You know, like when you when I think about your journey, like you can't tell people that they're wrong. Like like you know, like as a founder, you're so much close to conviction, but and you know, few people believe in your idea, and you still stick with it and do it. So like one of my learnings of working with you is is that all I can do is give you tools and show you like different exercises. Uh, but you have to figure it out by yourself. If I tell you your your fingers shit, like you know, you're stop meeting me. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. So 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 that was interesting also to learn and 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 you know like how can I be valuable to to young teams like this, and 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 so I essentially also got into angel investing by accident out of this. Oh wow. Uh, um, like I didn't, I you know like I'm I I love much more to do build prototypes and find early clients for it and. And stuff like that, but then I figured actually I really love helping teams as well. Okay, and are you doing this now like both contemporaneously, or are you focusing on one at the moment? I I spend around ten percent of my time with investing in very very technical, often research driven teams, mm -hmm. uh, and then I have eighty percent is a day job, where I work for an American startup in Berlin. Okay. On the product team. Okay. And how is it um, to like, I don't know. So far, what I what I understood, you were in internships, mm -hmm. and then you were in uni, and then you were already on your entrepreneurial. Sure. So like I didn't like you know back then I think you know uh, there were not such societies like yours, right? That doesn't exist, mm -hmm. right? Like I I like in in summer two thousand six, I even had to research like who startup what startups were. And I found like eight startups, which I like, I spent like a, I did a market study and then I sent like, like random emails to people asking for a job. And I got two positive responses out of that. And, that, and suddenly I was off to the races. So, but like what I had to admit to myself back then, you know, like the skill set were on, also not trained, right? You had to, you, you know, there was no courses, no people, no mentors. Back then, especially in Europe, people were just copying existing tech and doing a little bit localization. Uh, and that was good enough to do something interesting. Very few people build it, like in, in new tech. And so you had to learn a lot of the stuff at the startups um, or with your peers. When did you start with, with tech-focused um, enterprises or with startups? Sure. So I remember, so I was suddenly like, so one of my applications was like, it was really my first proper job and I was put in charge of 15 people as a managing director <laughs> of an acquisition. So I was really like out of my depth, right? And, 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 and the, you know, you, uh, and that, but that's typical, right? Mm -hmm. Very often you're like, you're a young kid and they just put you in and see whether you sink or swim. And at that point I figured out actually that I actually, when, when we had conflicts, I was much more on the side on product very rarely on, on for business people. And what I knew is actually, I have actually to take a step, step back, like teach myself a new job. And I spent a year really doing like three months 
engagement with, into, as a product manager and teaching myself a lot. And as part of that, I also went to the Valley to learn even more because I, I found out that back then there were people were not able, like in Europe mostly, like there was no people who could train you, like how do you build a new product yeah. and, and, and ship it where your, you know, these skill sets weren't here. Okay. And now back to you, Alan. Um, how how did you perceive like all all this like when when you're now looking back on um you founded your first startup and now you're on to new things um what what do you feel like would have helped you more on the way mm -hmm. um especially before coming to the accelerator yeah um i think focus mm. uh, you know everybody talks about focus and Alex and I certainly thought that we were focused, but we really weren't. And, you know, I think the definition of focus is saying no and saying no when it when you really would rather not, you know. So the way you think about decisions is that you look at all your decisions and you grade one of them A and the other one's B and then you choose the A one. Realistically, you look at your opportunities and you have four that are all kind of an A and then you have a couple that you can discard and then you have to choose one, right? And you have to say no to things that are good but just aren't your focus. And... I think the biggest part of that for us was who is your customer? Mm -hmm. So we were building, you know, what we thought was like a horizontal productivity tool, right? So we looked yeah. at things like Gmail and Evernote and Trello, and these were the things that inspired us. And we thought, and so if people ask us, you know, who's, who is your target customer? Who's your product for? We say, oh, well, it's for everyone. Um, and, you know, I mean, to really simplify it down, I think the conclusion that we came to at the end when we decided to start working on the product was that, it was a slightly better way of doing a lot of different things and it wasn't a 10x better way of doing any one thing. And that's okay. really a killer. So being honest with yourself about how high the threshold is for a product to be enough of a runaway success that you can build a business around it, um, that's something that you should really be aware of and that you just aren't um, until you've tried it. Yeah. Okay. Can I come on to that? Absolutely, yeah. Um, I think... It, it was like for me it was actually like like there's a couple of like kpis where you really see good product teams and one of them is that ever, like that they talk to each other and to the client so much that every two weeks they really build something new okay. right or show it in front of a new group of people mm -hmm. and 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 they like when i met them they were not doing it all mm. they were, were so ellen would say they said oh product is for everyone <laughs> it wasn't and you know and then we both on the top like if you think of it as a matrix of two like you know with a column in a, in a row so on the on, on one of the axes you know we were t talking to gr different people in an organization right yeah. is it a product manager or is it someone else right or another like which features are really used and i think when once the guys were starting talking to these different people differently and seeing different answers and also looking into their back end who is really using it and how that like and you know initially i was saying like teaching people tools like or giving exercises so i think once they saw actually how we do that how we were doing that you know that led to the process of them killing the company in the end on my end though it actually made me much more convinced that they're the real deal Okay. Because like I think it's really a lot of people spend up spend like a year or two on not giving up on a crappy idea. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. And and that's fine. But like, uh, it's uh, you know, you, you should and do I, it b because you're somebody people really t tell you they want this, and you fail for otherwise. But you really need to listen to people. To no, clients. exactly. And I think if you don't have a structured process and and you don't know, okay, now we're you know we have a hypothesis that it, these people care about this feature and we're going to enhance it for them and see if they care. Uh, if you don't have that structured process, then it's very slippery and it always gets away from you. And you always think, oh, if I just stay up all night and code up one more feature, then then people will love it because these three people told me that that's the killer feature for them, right? Okay. And, um, you know, with us, I mean, as Matt said, we sliced it up by, you know, what are people's jobs and then what are the things they can actually do with it and what do they do with it? Um, and then, you know, it was clear that our strongest usage and retention was with product managers. And, you know, then we talked to 50 or 60 product managers and we interviewed them and we said, what's your biggest problem? And none of them said anything related to our product. So that was pretty clear that, you know, it just wasn't a problem that anybody cared about. So you can still be a 10x better way of doing something. But if it's not something people have a lot of trouble doing at the moment or it's yeah. not something that they really care about, then it's still a no-go. Um, and you just have to set yourself up the same way that in science, you know, you want to set up um, a theory so that it has a possibility of failing the same way you want to set up your experiments with a product and product market fit so that they can fail and you don't just always rationalize, oh, well, we didn't have this thing yet or that thing. Okay. Yeah, I see that. And so, Matthias, what you said is um, the KPI of, of a good startup team um, would be to have a continuous iteration of the product and have a, a vast sample of um, of feedback um, in a in a in a continuous um, or like in a set time frame. Mm -hmm. Is that sure? I'm happy to explain it. It will be like a little bit generic example. Yeah. Uh, but like maybe we we talk about uh, Treef and Raza mm -hmm. to make it a little bit more practical. I think like you know like product market fit is this uh, concept which got popularized by uh, Mark Andreessen, right? Mm -hmm. And and the question is you know like what's the important most important thing? Is it your is it the product or is it uh, the market or is it the team? What do you think, Ricardo? What's the important the one single big? If you had to pick one thing, what's the big most important thing? Pick for one. For me personally, the to, team. for you to succeed, the team. It's, it's totally wrong. <laughs> so like the like the, uh, the, the uh, at least according to Andreessen and he says essentially yeah. you can be a super crappy team dysfunctional like in a bad marriage with a <laughs> yeah. crappy product and if the market is great people will still buy it okay so uh, in that relation, and yeah. and so and and that's very counterintuitive uh, and I think there's <laughs> and so what 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 refers to for example like when I met them you know, like in the first couple of weeks, they like, you know, they were telling me about the next great feature, which is going to revolutionize everything. If they just build this additional feature, this will be fine. And what I had to tell them, look, this is not really product market fit iterations because you're really not looking at it, at who's doing this in a more de enough detailed way. And you're not also asking which features are really being used. And, and, you know, like, uh, and, you know, when we, a couple months later, worked with each other to figure out what the next thing is. So, so it was not only just like the same person, like, or like different groups of people in the same uh, uh, company, but it was different industries, right? Mm -hmm. and it was like, like product market fit is about maybe you build this little bit of software or have this 
thing, but what if you give it to people from a totally different part of the country or or different gender or whatever? Mm -hmm. Like product market fit is and see what happens and how people will respond, and 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 I think people. Uh, and, and and that's important, like to be really courageous about these different tests. We'd agree. Absolutely. And and I think the specific question you asked about timeframes mm -hmm. is it's really you really want to aim for two weeks. So, uh, you know, I think your formula that you love is <laughs> is, uh, you know, you come up with an idea. You say, I think, you know, this is what people want to do. Um, I think this is a problem people have. And then you think, OK, how can I set myself up to start testing this in three or four days time? Mm -hmm. Right. So sometimes that means writing some code. Sometimes that means mocking things up. Right. Yeah. You can put a button in an app. Sometimes these guys faked they had the product and called people like we have this X, Y, Z and they didn't have it and just wanted to talk a conversation. Yeah. Like uh, some, something else, like uh, if you think, you know, there's probably not exactly what you think you should be doing, but like you think which is has the problem, but mm -hmm. try to sell that. Call people up and say, I'm the you know, the, the pro I'm, I'm work for company XYZ who does this product and see what people respond. And, and you mm. learn then through this process. And 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 I think uh, Alex is saying that you you like saw like 200 people, like 200, 200 tests in two months or something. Mm -hmm. So that's the wow. speed of teams uh, where, you, where, you, where you really see, see the progress. Okay. And for me, like that was just like enough to, like, you know, where I knew they're going to succeed because they're as diligent with doing this. Okay. So basically, um, if, if I'm a student and I want to start something, um, I need, I mean, obviously much more, but what we figured out now is first focus and second, I have to understand the market, right? Um, but also be quick in iterating the product. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. So okay. like, for example, you know, Alan comes from from this um, very research-driven background, right? Where where you know, like Cambridge University, Edinburgh, right? Physics, right? And and so this is a lot about having hundred percent data clarity, very very detailed thoughts and thesis, and yeah. he had to change his approach to who he is totally. Can you explain that? Yeah, so, yeah. So I I always tell people that. Um, there are a lot of things you have to unlearn, actually, to, <laughs> to be sort of a founder if you come from an academic background. A lot of bad habits you pick up at university, yeah. like doing things properly. I always tell people they should never do things <laughs> properly, right? So, um, you know, two or three data points is plenty for almost any decision. I mean, not that it really is plenty, but it's all you're ever going to get. So you just have to get comfortable with it, right? You can never prove anything. It's certainly not to a sort of academic standard, right? You can't check if this parameter is converged or you have a statistically significant sample, right? So it's a lot of mixing of You gut. can prove it if you go that fast, right? Like, uh, you know, like mm. he was saying is like, what I like make trick was, so in these two weeks, so you have really like, in the first week, you really uh, talk to people whether they like it or not. And then you change, you think yourself, so when you have really three, four uh, days to build something crappy or mm -hmm. fake it mostly, and then the cycle begins again, right? Yeah. So like you can't with this short time frame really. This is not like a scientific research, right? No, exactly. And you're look. You're not looking for you know a gravitational wave, a <laughs> tiny signal, and a huge amount of noise, right? You're looking for something like a big spikes, a big spike, right? You're looking for something that is a strong enough signal that it, you can pull a company up out of the ground with it, right? And that that's a lot of momentum to to make that happen. Um, so that's a big thing, you know, just being willing to 
to kind of mix your intuition so with a little bit of data. So how does that look like, Alan, like when the spike comes? Like was this like when you, with your crappy revenue bought to the coffee shops, you suddenly people Yeah, no, we had, pay? yeah, we had a, we had a bot for coffee shop owners and okay. they could, uh, you know, I don't know if anybody use Clio for your money um, on Facebook Messenger, it, you know, texts you how your budget's doing and Fair like enough. you can ask it how much did I spend on Uber this month and like it's all <laughs> cute. Um, it was a similar idea for like a coffee shop owner, you know, uh, you know, how are my espresso sales doing, this kind of stuff. Um, yeah, you know, we, we had one coffee shop owner uh, and we, we did this, you know, we, we called him, you know, we didn't have it, but we sold it. And he just emailed us his credit card details in plain text. No way. Because we didn't have Stripe or anything set up. He said, just charge me. I want it. Right? Wow. And, and that's the kind of signal that you want to look for. Ultimately, that still wasn't the thing that we wanted to do. Um, but that's the kind of the kind of signal that you want to look for. But it was um, one of the tough ones, and I really don't have a good answer. Like, how do you tell people who never had product market fit yeah. how this promised land looks like? Yeah, no, that was a huge thing, because I remember always thinking thinking that when we were working on Dream, because everyone said, you know, I mean, if you read, I think Paul Graham has some blog posts about this, but like what it means to have product market fit, and everyone's calling you and wants to get in touch with you and all yeah. this stuff. And I thought, yeah, I don't know. do I really believe that? Is that really possible? Is that really what it mm -hmm. is? Because on the same time, everybody always says startups are really hard and like you can't get disheartened. And so how do you have that balance? And I, I really, if you, I don't know how to tell someone, right? It's like mm -hmm. when a toddler touches the fire, they learn something that you could never explain to them, yeah. right? Um, you have to just have done it, I think, um, to, to know what to look for. How do you, how do you feel... Um is this like this knowledge changing over like um, the course of being in an SF accelerator or an incubator? No, <laughs> no, I think, no, I think um, if you're looking for product market fit mm -hmm. an accelerator is actually a very unhelpful place to be. Okay. Because an accelerator is, you know, 10 it accelerates, all right. So they assume that you already have product market fit and you are okay. already your five clients like an enterprise or you have, have like a couple hundred thousands users and then they gave, help you to go from hundred thousand to million or from five clients to 50. Okay. That's that's really like what I think accelerators are really good at, about. They're usually not very good to help you figure out what you should be doing. Okay. Right? Yeah, no, absolutely. And there's there's a big pressure because they will finish with a demo day, right? And demo mm -hmm. day you got to have a good story. You got to have a consistent story. And exactly, that's a great story, right? We had five customers 10 weeks ago. Now we have 50. Whoa, right? But if you're, if you're just figuring out what your product is and what your product market fit is, it's really unhelpful to have someone, on the one hand, you know, as Mateus is saying, you got to keep changing your mind every two weeks, completely throw things out, right? You can't be afraid to just throw things and just ditch them and just give up on them. <laughs> Um, and, and then at the same time, you have to sort of tell this really consistent story about how everything's logical and makes sense and how you're totally on the road to becoming a billion dollar company and everyone should invest. Right. So they just, just do not match. Um, I mean, I wouldn't say don't do it. I mean, if you can do it, just do it. I mean, you know. I so what did you learn out of it? So what was the? Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. We, you know, it's not like I wouldn't do it now. So but what did you learn? So what did you learn in, in that accelerator time? Um, Looking back. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I definitely learned to ignore people even more than, than we did before, especially <laughs> you. Um, yeah, no, I think, um, you know, you can always, you always ask people for advice. And when you're out of your depth, you know, you obviously need to ask people for help. Uh, but ultimately, you just need to learn to trust your own decision making and, um, you know, think for yourself. It's actually, with Raza, that's 
uh, it's our first of our three company values is we think for ourselves. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's just a great lear- learning experience, regardless of whether it's going to whether it's going to help. Like you suddenly get exposed usually to ten hundred mentors with different skill sets. Mm-hmm. And and we will like if you talk to hundred people to for ask you advice, like eighty pieces of advice will will be totally inconsistent and all over the place. Yeah. It's really hard for a founder. But just being, I think, exposed to this and the network is very valuable. Okay. Uh, and all, learn also like the deal initially with investors and stuff. But like, will it help you really to get your uh, um. Uh, thing of, of a crowd rarely like if you really hit it off with one of the mentors and he'll he or she will start helping you that's your shot probably I yeah would say. yeah no it's been it's been interesting now just a few weeks ago i had my first experience i'm now a mentor at textile so with the new batch oh, okay. two years on uh, and that's been very interesting being on the other side of the table and seeing how people are and um you know i think ultimately everybody just speaks from their own bias and their own experience because yeah. that's all you can really speak from. So it's not like, uh, you know, the Treve story is a prescription for yeah. how it will always go or what <laughs> works and what doesn't. You know, it's just one data point. And that's, I think, partly what you have to learn is just um, just to treat everything everybody tells you as a data point. Okay. And f- I, for myself, like, I, I, I learned that I totally don't trust any elevator pitches or pitch decks. I don't accept them. Okay. Like I like you know like investments is about de-risking, right? De-risking yeah. whether people like it or the team or anything, and I like start I just go lunches with people over weeks and months, and see you know whether they make this kind of progress I talked about, and if the pro if the product is changing if they are amb- um, you know ambitious enough in in tweaking, uh, whom they are selling to, mm-hmm. and if that works then I start to engage more. And if that works a little bit even better, then I start invest. So like <laughs> I, like for me, like this is true for very like very technical, very research driven uh, startups, and and you know, um, and and I think doing or something really product specific and research is actually way tougher than just something simple, yeah. right? Because your learning curve is I think actually way longer. Yeah, definitely. And. Now, Ellen, you said you you were not this year um, on the other side of the table, right? Um, could you relate to like what Matthias saw two years ago, like with the with the not listening but really passionate? Uh, yeah, a hundred percent. So that didn't change. Yeah, no. I mean, I, but I also don't think they should listen. So okay. you know, that's kind of also partly what you look for. Yeah. Um, you know, because the initial reaction should be you know, yeah, whatever, you're just another person. And then maybe <laughs> when they sleep on it and think about it, then maybe something, you know, gets into their head that maybe something made sense. Yeah, so back then, like, really, like, I think they they took two small pieces, which weren't, didn't matter to me. Like, I actually, by the way, hated their product, right? Yeah. And, like, everyone who had a little bit of experience thought this is, like, a terrible area for investment. <laughs> and, you know, in, in their final pitch, you know, like, there's always demo day, people hated them. Really, they did, in fact, <laughs> and 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 and, but I thought they they have talent, and oh. and 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 did they have a shot to become a really good product team if they start working with each other differently, mm-hmm. and that's what they certainly started afterwards, okay. like and 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 so they started listening not really to everything what I said, but was much more hey why don't you try this. 
-hmm. And when they said, usually no. <laughs> and then two weeks later, they might, may have done a test and told me about it. And then four weeks later, we would have arrived uh, at a mutual observation. So it was much more mm -hmm. like I became a partner to listen in into what they're doing. Mm -hmm. I still, you know, you know, like I was an influencer and I still am just only an influencer. You know, they're at the wheel. It's their car. <laughs> yeah. And uh, they, they have a right to kick me out of a running car at full <laughs> speed. That's right. That's and you need to understand it. I think as a, even as an investor, mm. right, it's it's the founders. It's their dream. It's it's their up and downs. And, and you're 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 just in, at the back of a car sitting. And and I think we've, we've talked a lot about product market fit, but actually product founder fit or market founder <laughs> fit or whatever you want to call it is also really important. Right. And. Uh, you know, and we when we were kind of lost and, you know, building new prototypes and didn't know what we wanted to do, we tried all sorts of things. You know, we did hardware, uh, did loads of things that we, you know, were kind of interested in that looked potentially big. Yeah. We also knew that, you know, Alex and I would never found, you know, the next social network. It just it's not something we understand. It's not something that's kind of in our DNA or we would think about. Yeah. Um, and so now, like building developer tools, that mm -hmm. actually is really something that fits well with us and that, you know, we're happy to get up and do every day and, and keep doing for years to come. So um, I think that's also something to be honest with yourself about, uh, not just look for an opportunity because some spreadsheet told you that there's a big market for it. Yeah. But, you know, it's just building something that you really care about because as Matt says, you know, as the founder, you're, you're there for the ups and downs and, uh, you know. So I have a diff different related questions. So how big is the Raza team right now? Uh, we're about 12, 13. Okay, and how many in your team? Uh, about eight. So, yeah. so now that you're, you know, the manager who knows it all, <laughs> how you're now, like, now that the, you know, like your role has turned, how do you coach your team? And yeah. How... Um, so, you know, strategically where we sit as a company is we do applied research in machine learning, and mm -hmm. then we ship yeah. the things we find in open source libraries um, so that, as many developers as possible can use them and benefit from them, right? So we looked at uh, specifically the space we're in, which is you know conversational AI. We looked at you know how we were building bots and how other people were building bots and voice systems, and we thought this cannot be the future. Yeah. And then you know Facebook was launching this big platform on Messenger. And we thought this is terrible. You know nobody knows how to build this stuff. So it is. <laughs> this is you know this is going to be a disaster. And uh, and we thought you know. Really, there's a lot of interesting literature there, mm -hmm. um, but not really quite usable out of yeah. the box. Like, there's quite a few things that are missing, and we thought we can build a really interesting company in this space. And so, you know, like I said, we sit somewhere in between academia and um, and startups. Um, you know, so we, coming back to you yeah, as a manager. So, so, so <laughs> right. So, the way that we set up the the engineering organization is that we don't have a distinction between research and product yeah right so all research is applied research on the product mm -hmm. um and ideally is actually just building a new feature on the product right so everyone's on the same code base how many people from edinburgh uh off the top of my head five six at least with some edinburgh connection on the engineering side so okay. we have very strong like links to the university um incredible talent pool here so um you know that's also why we're now um looking to open up an office an r&d office in edinburgh even yeah. though we're you know, headquartered in Berlin. And um, and so a large part of it is is really coaching people to not be so rigorous um, mm -hmm. 
to you know be a bit a bit more scrappy and and not do things quite so formally and just think of like okay we have a problem what how can we really solve it right um, and the other part is a lot of people you know come from maybe a physics background or something like that and they can code but they're not you know professional software engineers they have a lot to learn about writing writing production quality code yeah. and so we make sure that everybody that there's good peer learning systems in place that people can actually contribute and then all of that is just to accelerate the pace at which we can ship new ideas like aha this works to having it in production in two weeks that's still yeah. the gold standard two weeks um, okay. that's always what we look for so you're also engaging in training actually new stuff so um you 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 want to not only like have um the research part and the product part in under the hood of your company but also like educate within the company like yeah Yeah, exactly. That that mm -hmm. people learn, and that there's really a continuous spectrum of people who are more software engineering aids or more researchy, and that there isn't like some you know two worlds divide. Um, yeah, that's that's actually really important to how we structure things. Okay. Yeah, I think one one of the uh, um, I think if you ask like where's the best place to learn about startups, I think like societies like yours are great, <laughs> but I think you should also be and just go to startups, right? Okay. So, um, like, I probably, like, you can ask me, right? Like, I, if anyone wants to join a startup, shoot me an email. Uh, mm -hmm. uh, I refer people into internships in startups, being in states or in London or in Berlin, all the time. Okay. Um, I'll probably be doing something more formal, where, um, like, we're talk to talk to people tomorrow at the university because I find that the talent here in Edinburgh is so good. Yeah. All these people show up from Edinburgh all the time and they're good. <laughs> yeah. Right? And the, yeah, yeah. and and so we'll probably do like a whole program on on helping people to get into startups and get a flavor of how it is. Oh, that's amazing. So specifically for the University of Edinburgh? We'll start here because okay. we, we, we had so much great talent coming from here. Okay. That's amazing. Yeah. If you need help in that process, we would love to Sounds great. Yeah. Definitely. <laughs> yeah. Um, so coming, coming towards the end, I would say, um, some questions that we as a, as a committee board, but also like as a member of the society always ask ourselves, um, I have now a big idea. What, what are, are the free no-go's that I should not do, um, in order to, to get somewhere from there? Because we had, um, on our last spotlight, we had two students from the University of Edinburgh here. Um, Ollie and Chris and they made a new app called Tippy and they um, they told me that uh, for two years they itinerated the pro uh, product but not focused that it was in one certain category but they started with a shopping list and then went um, at the end ended up with the social media for, for flats and so it's completely different world and they went through a lot of um also um our own um facilitator uh launch ad mm -hmm. and um they said that they had a, a lot of misleading advice and mm -hmm. they also had the problem that they were actually listening in the first place and so they made a plc right away but that made more problems than than anything else right. so what are the free free things that i should not do to, to get somewhere. Maybe that it's easier than. Yeah, I would. I, I mean, first, well, first and foremost, is don't keep it a secret and think that it's 
that the, the value is in the idea is that you had it and that no one else has had it yeah. because it's almost impossible. Um, so definitely, you know, talk to people about it. Um, I actually, I had a similar experience uh, to some extent um, to what you were describing. So when Alex and I pre-text ours, when we were, um, you know, first, first building stuff, we were in Cambridge mm-hmm. and Cambridge had a program similar to launch where, um, you know, there are lots of mentors and they come and help you and they help students who want to build companies and things like that. But there was really no one there who had ever built an interesting tech company in the sense of like a digital company, right? Mm-hmm. There were lots of people who built interesting engineering firms, you know, Cambridge is obviously high tech cluster, yeah. uh, but there was really no one who could help us there. And they were also kind of aware of that, but we were also a bit stuck in a rut because it's the same thing, right? So definitely be wary of people talking about it who haven't actually done it or mm-hmm. something similar to what what you're thinking about. Um, I'm sure you have more things to add, Matt. I think like also related just like I, I think you can't give people like generic advice. It's yeah. really hard. Yeah. But like the related to the story you just told about, like I think it's really take like it's you know like you, you until you're really a company and not a startup, it takes two three years before you really try to survive and fight for the survival. Okay. So things like PLC at the beginning are usually not a good idea, yeah. mm-hmm. right? Like you should, you know, like you should need to start scrapping for a very long time and lean. Yeah. Because it usually takes only very long until you you have this eureka moment when suddenly people are calling you or your inbox is full because people want your stuff, right? Mm-hmm. And um, so stay scrappy for a long time if you can. Um, that's certainly one thing. And the other thing is just be fast. Mm-hmm. I think like you, like people should not be optimizing for, I don't know, the big br- partnership, uh, yeah. the big corporation who will give you 2000 bucks per, per month mm-hmm. to support you. Yeah. Uh, usually, you know, the life cycles in that type of deals are usually very long. You know, you, you'll only maybe get feedback after two, three months mm-hmm. and it will be like in a group meeting and the people will lie, right? Because we will not tell you the truth in a group meeting, right? Yeah. And you will never know whether what you build actually is valuable or not. And maybe then the boss in that corporate changes mm-hmm. and suddenly you're out and your startup is back to zero. Yeah. So actually having speed in, in, in listening to people and changing things up is really like like something I really yeah. stress. And always. don't don't sell any of your company for the first, you know, for as long as possible, for sure. But definitely not the first five, 10, 20,000 that you need to just like make a domain and hire some freelancers and just get things off the ground a bit. There's just grants everywhere. So beg, borrow, steal, uh, find a way to do it and don't go straight to investors with a, with just a pitch deck and be like, and yeah, just sell some the, of your company. The longer, you the longer you can survive on your stuff, the better. Even if it's just a side hustle, right? Even if you're just working in a cafe half the time and that keep pays your bills, I mean, that's already much better than having having somebody on board too early. So. Okay. So it's still better to, like, I don't know, live from my own savings. <laughs> yeah, but the problem, you know, like, I didn't have that, right? So yeah. so I, I borrowed 25K from my cousin. Mm-hmm. And then I, you know, I spent a year just earning ca- cash as a product manager just to go pick up, you know, to, to get some savings for, yeah. for my first year. So it's a scrappy affair, right? Mm-hmm. And if I look at it, you know, like I saw probably 200 teams mm-hmm. in my, in, 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 for my investments in the last two years. Yeah. Out of 70% of these teams within a year are, you know, they, they 
they disappear. They disappear because you know it's tough. Yeah. It's you know it, it it's a lot of commitment and people say okay maybe I like myself maybe you know like I hate this maybe I needed to get a job, but I think it's 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 something you should try like when you're in twenties like you should, because even if you decide startups are not for you like it's still like a super interesting learning experience I think. Mm. Okay. Um, any, I mean that's that's right out of the blue. But um, any book advices for like something a good read that you had like recently. I think the classics for me, like, just read, uh, just read the Paul Graham stuff early on, and the, okay. the, you know, the, there's a big Mark Andreessen blog dump about a lot of this stuff. It's it's uh, you know like there's equivalence of that in Europe as well. Okay. Uh, but uh, just yeah, but then just start doing it. I yeah. think you you know like I think it's 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 interesting to read about it, but at some point you should be should, should the quicker you start the better. Yeah, no, I, I have to confess, I don't, I don't think I've ever read a business book. Yeah, um, I like to read history. Mm-hmm. I guess you learn something from it. I don't know if it's relevant <laughs> or applicable, but there's something there. I like there. that too. Like I love reading like t- technologicals, history because usually you know you've in technology there's always been a version of something what you were about doing, right? Like you know, like I was just lis- like listening to someone last week who built like tried to build chatbots twenty years ago. Mm-hmm. It was super interesting. To, 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 to hear about what was different, right? There's always, you know, like uh, always a crappier, less non idea of what you do, who no, no one used. So so that's interesting, actually. To, to read about the failures is actually super interesting. Well, um, um, you said you ha- will have a um, headquarter in Edinburgh. Um, are you planning on, on getting any students directly involved or, or also not students? Yeah, absolutely. So. Um, last year, we supervised a master's student from Edinburgh. Uh, very happy with how that went. So we're going to offer a couple of projects this year. Um, hopefully those go even better. And yeah, you're right. We're opening up an R&D office in Edinburgh. Uh, we're hiring primarily in you know machine learning. So if that's your cup of tea, then uh, check out our website or shoot me an email. Um, I'll always respond. So um, hope to get lots of applications in from Edinburgh students. Absolutely. We'll append... Uh the email or link to your website directly to the podcast so the listeners <laughs> our if audience for like more businessy people like i offer something like the hustler internship oh okay so um a couple people went through this mm-hmm. so they can apply with me as well at which stage like yeah. people can be students like very often it's like i i had somebody just now a couple weeks ago who didn't even start studying? He went to came from straight from high school. Oh wow! Okay. Yeah. Amazing. And for you, Ellen, it's just master students or PhDs or? Um, no, everyone should apply. <laughs> okay, <laughs> that's amazing. That are two very big offers, and thank you for for sharing it with us. Um, thank you very much for for this. Yeah, thanks for having us on. It's been really fun. Thank you, guys. <laughs>